Talk to me about that Friday night. Okay. The Friday night that our whole lives changed. I was home with the kids. I had picked them up from daycare, just got off of work, picked them up, came home. I get a text from Carlos like, I'll be home soon. I'm starving, by the way. I want I want all kinds of food. I want pizza. I want sushi. And we lived in Belmont Shore, so there were the restaurants down there. He goes, let's go somewhere. I'm like, all right, get home. Get home and we'll go. I'll get the kids ready and we'll go. An hour passes, two hours pass. I'm like, this is not right. Something I just gut feeling. My heart starts racing. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Who to call? I start texting him. Like, if you don't respond anytime soon, I'm, I'm probably going to come look for you. Nothing. What do I do with these shops? I'm not a barber. He said, you're going to do it. I said, how? He goes, I, I don't doubt it. You're going to keep these going. That's his legacy. He worked really hard on that. And there's nothing there that you can't do. Yeah, you don't cut hair, but you can run a business. I know you can. I said, okay, we're doing this. Hi, I'm Mike Gabriel. This is Mike'd Up Pod, a podcast where we talk a wide range of topics from business, health, lifestyle, but most importantly, the topics of life, growing, learning, self-awareness, and leading. This is where we get the best of the best who tell their experiences. On this episode of Mike Up Pod, I bring in my childhood friend, Annie Ustayan Gomez. When I say childhood friend, I mean we met in preschool at the age of three. Annie went through some hardship and challenging times, as you just heard. She lost her husband five years ago in a motorcycle accident coming home from work. Her husband, Carlos Gomez, was a famous musician from the band High Strung Ramblers. He also left behind two daughters, along with two of his barber shops. We fill you in on the tough decisions Annie has had to make since then, with her life, her two daughters, and the barbershops that Carlos built before his passing. We also get to creep in on her DMs and give you fellas out there the best advice on how to approach a girl via DM. Enjoy. Man, we were friends since three years old. Yep. Now we're sitting here. We're what, 30? We don't have to say that. We don't have to say say that. (laughs) We grew up together from three years old to senior year. We graduated together. This is true. Every day, five days a week at least. We were in each other's lives for a really long time. It's really crazy to me because you think about that now because you're not in it. You're, You're just having fun you're a kid you're not thinking about the whole process right but you go back in time and think about that it's it's trippy i don't think there's a lot of people that have gone through what we did in terms of the length of our lives together well a lot of us in our class were fortunate enough to know each other from preschool to 12th grade that's just the way our life was set up at that school so we kind of lost contact after high school what did you end up doing so after high school you know because we were probably all together Every day, I think a lot of us kind of just went our separate ways. I know I look forward to graduating. Right. <laughs> I, I think we, a lot of us had that mentality, like we're free. We get to go in the real world now. And after high school, I went straight into college. I wanted to go into early childhood education. So I knew I wanted to work with kids. And so that's what I was going to school for. I was going to Pasadena City College at the time. I was going to school for early childhood education. And one day my mom comes to me and says, hey, honey, what do you want to do? I said, I want to work with kids. I know I, I love kids. I have a passion for kids. I, I want to be a teacher. She goes, okay, you know, go to school for that. But somewhere along the line, she convinced me to get a job with her at the lab. She worked in a cancer 
reference lab. So did her sister for years on end. So my aunt and her, and then my dad's sister also got into the field. So she goes, oh, why don't you in the meantime, come get a job with me so you can make money and maybe possibly change your career path. So I agreed and I started working with her in the cancer reference lab. And as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I knew I wanted to be a teacher, like a really young age teacher, preschool, kindergarten. Yeah. That's what I wanted. This is where you met your husband, right? At the lab. Oddly enough, my mom was the one that brought us together. Yeah. Was he an employee of your mom's at the time or? No, just he worked in the same department as my mom. And so here I come in and my mom's introducing me to everyone and she introduced me to Carlos and that's where it all began. She's introducing you because you guys are just co-workers. Hi, meet my daughter. Yeah. And he's like, don't mind if I do. (laughs) (laughs) He's all in. Okay. So now you meet him and he's asking you out now, right? So this guy. How long until? Yeah. Oh, no time wasted. Hi. Hello. Oh, you're Sona's daughter. Yes. So when can I take you out? Um, it was, it was pretty fast and, um, I threw him curveballs. I threw him fake phone numbers. I just dodged every bullet I possibly could until one day I gave in. Cause he's, can I just take you across the street to Carl's Jr. to eat? And I said, okay, I'll give you that. I am hungry. So I went and had dinner or whatever with him and, um, he was pretty charming. Mm. I was like, oh, wow, he's actually really sweet. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. What was holding you back? I mean, my guy, I grew up in a traditional Armenian household. We were born and raised to marry within the race. And that's just all I knew. That's just all I knew I had to do. So when I meet this charming Hispanic man, I'm just, I'm, I don't think I'm allowed to, you know, so. And tatted Hispanic. Tatted. Right. Musician, Hispanic, all of it. All yeah. the boxes were checked of don't do it. Yeah. But he was so charming that I couldn't resist. Okay, so now when, when what's the next date? Is that Carl's Jr.? That was like first date. Okay. I, I mean, if you want to consider that date. And then the second? The second, he, he asked me to come watch him play or rehearse some music in his garage with his band. I said, okay, I could do that. This guy had written a song about me. He was ready. And again, his charm. I couldn't, I couldn't resist it. I was like, wow, he's actually really very nice person you know how can i say no to this so after i had a really good time listening to music in his garage nothing i've ever done in my life before we started hanging out more and more every weekend we saw each other at work every day and then well what are you doing this weekend okay here we go (laughs) (laughs) he wrote this song about you the first time you you heard him write that song about you was in the garage in the garage yeah that's when he showed me it he was a professional musician right their band had a pretty decent following right yeah in the the rockabilly scene when i first met him he was just starting out he had just released like one record at the time and he was really excited to show me it and i didn't really listen to that kind of music at the time so i was just like okay cool yeah cool as his music his passion for music grew he started writing his own music his own lyrics and i started seeing his actual talent lead singer Lead singer and lead guitar. Did he have a passion for cutting hair as well? So we had a funny conversation He when I when I first met him at the lab. He goes, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. He goes, but I really want to be a barber. And I kind of laughed at him. Why would you want to? Because we had a good job, a good mm-hmm. paying job, the cancer field. You know, why would you want to leave this good job and become a barber? I was, oh, this isn't this isn't for me. So he had a passion. He had a passion. Well, how long was he in that cancer field with you? With me? Or in total? How long was he doing I, that He for? was doing it for a while before I met him, years before I met him. So he was really good at what he did in the lab. Was he cutting hair on the side? 
No. When he told me he wanted to be a barber, he was starting to apprentice and be at this barber shop and start learning how to cut hair after his shift at the lab. That's what he'd go and do. Mm. And slowly but surely, it turned into part-time lab, part-time barber. And then he's like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go all in. I'm out of the lab. He first, I'm assuming, was cutting hair at a barber shop. At a barber shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long was he doing that for? Mm, I can't. I can't remember on top of my head. A couple years? A couple years for sure. Yeah. And it wasn't until we got married where we decided it's time for him to have his own shop. And I want to say I, I kind of pushed him to it. I kind of gave him that idea. And he said, yeah, I could do that. Was that his mindset, though, from the beginning that he wanted his own barbershops? Mostly every barber is in that mindset of they want their own place. It's just a goal a lot of barbers have. And he knew almost, you know, instantly. He knew he had to gain the experience of course, but we both knew it was time. No wonder there's so many barbershops around. There's so many. <laughs> it's like so flooded. Many. It's very popular. So that right makes now. sense now because the guys who are cutting hair, they want their own. They want their own. And they don't it's want to work saturated like crazy. It, I'm glad you know this. I'm in the field and I, I it's all I hear. It's like the new Starbucks. Yeah. Like every corner there's a barbershop. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. How many years into the marriage did he open the first location? We got married in December of 2010, and we were already looking at barbershops early 2011. Okay. So 2011. I want to go back to something when you guys were dating and, and the whole, you're trying to X him out mm-hmm. from all of the things. He was Hispanic. He was yeah. tatted. He was in a band. Right. And it was something you couldn't introduce your parents nope. to. How long did you date him until you were able to introduce your parents to him? I dated him for about five years until I got the courage to have this conversation with my dad to tell him this is what I'm doing. Five? Five years. years. Very stressful five years. How did, how did you hide him? Was he picking you up at home? I eventually moved out on my own. I, I okay. discovered Belmont Shore in Long Beach and I fell in love with that little town. And I said, I want to live here. So I had the lab job, have money, buy mom and dad. They were not happy not happy it was a very sad moment for them but you know (laughs) my dad he has a way you could talk to him Mm -hmm. he will understand you if you talk to him enough he eventually i felt he knew where i was coming from he wanted me to do this if it was something i really wanted to do so yeah at 23 i moved out to belmont shore and i felt like it was the best thing i've ever did isn't that funny you have to have that conversation with you know that with your armenian parents yeah you you have to sit them down Uh, and tell them yeah you know (laughs) guys i'm moving out yeah and it was a thing how old were you at the time 23 23 okay that's not it's yeah, like, that's that's young. Young, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's pretty, okay. I hope none of my daughters try to pull that I was going to say, if I'm lucky to have a daughter and she wants to move out at 23, yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd, I'd be a little stressed out about it too. Yeah. When I when I think about it now, I, I know I stressed them out, but I was a good kid. I didn't get in any trouble. Responsible. They came and visit me all the time at, at my apartment. They even kind of, oh, this is a nice area. Have you been to Belmont Shore? Yeah, it's beautiful. Love it. You can't buy a house there. Yeah. <laughs> It's It's tough. It's tough. It is. So they even, you know, would think, oh, well, maybe we'll come down here too. I was like, wait. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Any sneak attacks when Carlos was at your house? Oh, all the time. (laughs) Hey, you got to go. My parents are on their way. Hide your shoes. (laughs) And was he okay with that? Yeah. He understood the whole Armenian culture and tradition. Mike, this guy was head over heels in love with me. There was nothing he wouldn't do for me. And if that meant making a run for it when my parents are showing up then he was making a run for it i'm assuming you introduced them you introduced carlos to your parents five well, years remember my mom she worked with us so she said one day I, 
I know what's going on with you two. I said, what, what do you, what's going on? She goes, are you guys dating? No. Well, that tattoo he has, that new one, it kind of looks like you. Oops. Oh my God. <laughs> he, he wasn't <laughs> very was good. Fast. Yeah. That he was wasn't fast. very good with, with hiding things. And, wow. and you can definitely see our chemistry while we were working together. We were flirting, we right. were giggling and passing notes to each other. And everyone in the lab knew. They thought it was adorable because he was just gushing over me every day and everyone was watching it happen. So when my mom called me out, I said, you know, maybe, maybe not. Now, did you have stake in these barbershops? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So he put my name on everything. He ran everything by me. Uh, He would come home and we'd talk about it. He wanted me involved in decision making. And so you were kind of behind the scenes running the place. Absolutely. I was still working in the lab. We started the barbershop but i was still at the lab i didn't leave my job and while he while we were building it up and expenses and i was making sure i held it down at home while he he did this so now you have two girls mm-hmm. they're five and seven now five and seven now how long did it take you guys to have the children into your marriage so we got married in 2010 Elena was born um, January of 2013. It took a lot of convincing. I was ready to be a mom one year after, to the day after we got married. And it took some convincing. He was hesitant. To be a father. Yeah, he was scared. He was scared just yeah. to be a father yeah, and have was, that responsibility. Hold on, hold on. Like, can we just, you know, wait, wait a little longer? I'm ready. When a woman is ready, she's ready. And I was ready. And I, I, I bugged him until, you know, we finally decided, okay, let's start a family. He had this obsession with motorcycles. He had a motorcycle when he was in high school or maybe shortly after. So he's he's had one before. Something clicked in him. We already had both our kids at this point. And he goes, I want a motorcycle. I said, no, you're not. He goes, why not? I said, that's dangerous. He goes, well, anything's dangerous. I said, yeah, but you know, we have two young kids. What does that matter? He goes, I work really hard and this is something I really want. Can I just please like, I don't think he was even asking me. He was telling me this is what he wants to do. And I tried to tell him no. I'm pretty sure my my mom chimed in and told him, you know, Carlos, I don't think it's a good idea. Carlos, if anyone who knows him, if he has something on his mind, he's going to do it. So he one day took me with him somewhere. And that somewhere was, hey, I'm going to buy that bike. Can you follow me home? <laughs> you didn't have a choice I at that not, point. I did not have a choice. So he buys this bike. He buys this bike. He's so happy. He, I, he, his fa- I could imagine his face right now mm. the day... We bought the bike. I was following him home, tailing him, you know, mm-hmm. making sure he was safe. I was taking pictures of him. He just looked so happy on that bike. He buys this bike. Now, is he commuting every day on the bike? So the the deal was, I'm just going to buy this bike. I'm not going to go far on it. I'm just going to go to work and home. How long is that commute? Well, I'm trying to think where we were living at the time. You have, you have two locations have currently. Two, lo- two locations. Our first location we opened up was in Long Beach. Okay. So when we opened up Long Beach, we were living in on the same street where the shop was. So further down was the neighborhood. He would walk to work. So he didn't have a motorcycle then. So it wasn't until baby number two came and we moved in with my parents for just additional saving sure. and help and all that. Yeah. That's when he decided he wanted that bike. He goes, I can just drive to the waiter shop real quick. I'm not getting on the freeway. I'm not doing anything. It's just to work and home. So um, we were living with my parents and he bought the bike. How long is that commute then from from your parents' house to the Whittier location? Five minutes. Okay. (laughs) Five minutes on the street. Yeah. No freeway. No freeway. But shortly after having baby number two, my heart belongs in Belmont Shore. So I was like, babe, I want to get out of here. I want to go back to Belmont Shore, please. He goes, what? We have we have it good here. You know, your mom cooks these amazing meals for us. You know, why can't we just stay here? He loved living there. 
He loved my family. Everyone was really nice to him. He was a sucker for my mom's cooking. Like she yeah. could do no wrong. <laughs> I got my way and I we we moved back to Belmont Shore. So now we have two babies. We're in living in Belmont Shore and now he has the bike in Belmont Shore, which he's now using as an excuse. Oh, I could get to Whittier faster if I don't have to sit in traffic and I can just ride my bike. How far is your Long Beach location to the new Belmont Shore house? It's still the same street. Okay. So he could still walk there, yeah, right? To, to the, the Long, Long Beach, Beach location. But his excuse is I got to go to Whittier to yeah. see them. Yeah. So I got to ride my bike there. Right. It'll be faster to mm-hmm. get there. Okay. So one day um, I'm home with the kids. It's after work. I've picked them up from daycare. Before that. Mm-hmm. How long was he commuting from your Long Beach house, house to the Whittier location? I can't. I can't remember. Like if months, it was weeks. Months. Yeah, it was months. Okay. Yeah, we weren't living there too long. So yeah, months. Months had gone by. He was doing the commute. I could hear him coming home a mile away. You know, I could hear his motorcycle. The girls could hear the motorcycle. They'd run to the window. Oh, Papa's home. You know, so. And how many minutes is that commute for him? It should be 35 minutes. Okay. Probably. Okay. 40 maybe tops down the 605 you know talk to me about that friday night okay the friday night that our whole lives changed um i was home with the kids i had picked them up from daycare just got off of work picked them up came home i get a text from carlos like i'll be home soon i'm starving by the way i want i want all kinds of food i want pizza i want sushi and we lived in belmont shore so there were the restaurants down there he goes let's go somewhere like all right get home get home and we'll go i'll get the kids ready and we'll go um, an hour passes, two hours pass. I'm like, this is not right. Something I just gut feeling. My heart starts racing. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Who to call? I start texting him. I'm like, if you don't respond anytime soon, I'm, I'm probably going to come look for you. Nothing. So I get the girls, I get them ready and I put them in the car and I didn't want to tell my parents anything. Hey, I can't find Carlos. So I just put them in the car and I said, Hey, mom and dad, I'm going to drop off the girls at your house real quick and I'll, I'll be back. Is that okay? And they go, why are you going to do that? I said, uh, I'm just going to go look for Carlos. They said something like, why don't you wait at your house and we'll be right there. My heart sank. I, I already knew something's not right. But I just thought something really bad had happened. So I said, no, I'm, 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 I'm already down the street. They go, honey, just turn around. We'll be right there. They were already on, my, on the way over to my house. They see me. In the, in the driveway, they said, why don't you get out and come inside? And I'm like, no, I got to go. I, I, you understand. Like, I got to find him. Like, well, well, we know where he is. I said, cool. Tell me. Let me go. Let me go find him, be with him, whatever I have to do. My mom then just grabbed me by my shoulders and told me, you know, on our driveway. Clearly remember that day he got in a motorcycle accident. I said, okay, what hospital is that? Let me, let me just go. I'll, I'll, can you watch the kids? I was just not trying to even think about death. I just thought, okay, silly Carlos, he got, he got a car accident and it's going to be okay. She had to tell me, no, he did not make it. He did not make it. And um, obviously a lot of after that is a blur, but I paced up and down that street on Belmont Shore crying for a good hour in disbelief because I instantly missed him and I knew I was never going to see him again. Instantly, I, I remember telling my parents, but I miss him. Instant, just your heart is just crushed. And my dad says, I'll never forget the way you cried that night. Like that is in my head forever. Now your kids, they see you going through this. What are they like? So that night, all his friends start showing up slowly. Now we have this big crowd on the street. 
and my kids are upstairs with my parents and they're sleeping and we're all downstairs crying. Your and kids are one and two at the one time, One and right? two, they're just sound yeah. asleep in their cri- cribs. Yeah. And, you know, eventually I tell everyone, you know, I got to I gotta go upstairs. And I, I go look at my kids in, in their crib. And I'm like, they don't even know. They don't even know that their dad is gone right now. And they're, they're sleeping in this crib peacefully. Mm. I'll never forget the uncomfortableness of that night of going to bed, in our bed, alone, sleeping, wondering if this is real. What am I going to do with these poor kids? Like, I just kept thinking, they lost their dad and they don't even know. You woke up and to face reality the next day i hate asking this question but it's always one that i wonder when somebody loses mm-hmm. their partner what's it like sleeping alone and not and, and them not being next to you again it was the weirdest feeling for the longest time emptiness emptiness in the bed emptiness in the, the whole apartment it's just not the same nothing's the same in there so kind of instantly without even a doubt i was moved to my parents house kind of like not even a question People were gathering my stuff and putting it in boxes and bags. And it was like the second day. I was like, what's going on? They're like, well, you're going to live with us now. I was like, okay. But I didn't even give it any That's thought. That's awesome. That's awesome, though. I think that was the right move. Didn't you need that? At the time, yes. There was no doubt. Yeah. There was no part of me that was going to be able to stay in that apartment in the first few months or maybe year without him. But when I think about it now, I was like, I could have at least tried. But at that time, I was like, no. I need my parents. I need my mom and dad. They need to save me right now. Well, a support system in that time for your parents to not even hesitate, which of course they wouldn't. They They never would. It wasn't even a question for them. We're not going to let our daughter be alone with her two daughters Mm -hmm. and our grandkids. There's Mm -hmm. no way we're taking her in Mm -hmm. and and we're taking our grandkids. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's pretty special. Talk about that support system. What is that like? I mean, okay, your parents, aside from your parents, I'm sure you've had friends and cousins who have reached out as it's happening, right? I have a really good family, extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, who dropped their whole lives to make sure I was okay, to make sure the girls were okay. In particular, my cousin Lily and her husband Godin, they were there for me and the girls. My girls love them so much. I talked a lot with them early on about my life and what I'm going to do. How am I going to do this? You're strong. You got this. Don't worry. We're here for you. I said, I asked my cousin's husband, like, what do I do with these shops? I'm not a barber. He said, you're going to do it. I said, how? He goes, I I don't doubt it. You're going to keep these going. That's his legacy. He worked really hard on that. And there's nothing there that you can't do. Yeah, you don't cut hair, but you can run a business. I know you can. I said, okay, we're doing this. After that conversation, never even doubted. All right, I don't think I could do this. We're just pushing forward. Prior to that conversation, were you thinking about selling the two shops? No, I wasn't. What was the thought? That thought hadn't come to my mind yet. The conversation with my cousin... And that was it. I never looked back. I said, I, I can't, I can't sell it. Like that wall, he painted it. Those chairs, he picked them out. That frame on the wall, he put that there. How can I just get rid of it? Hey, it's Mike. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. If you are, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. You don't know this, but it actually makes my day. When was it that you were operable in your mind that you were able to think about, okay, what do I do with these two shops? Was it an initial feeling when he passed? Was it a couple weeks? Days. 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 Uh, My cousin and her husband were there helping me pack. And we took a lunch break. They tried to get me to eat because I couldn't even eat. said, listen, you got to eat. Let's go down. We'll talk. Let's go to a restaurant. We'll talk. So I sat down with them. He told me what I'm going to do. 
and I did it. I just kept them open. Now, we'll get back to that, but I want to know about your kids in the next weeks or days or months. How were they after the accident? So they were very young. I consider one and two babies. Mm-hmm. Um, the one-year-old was 13 months, right? She just We just had her first birthday at the park, and everything was amazing. And the two-year-old had a really strong connection with her dad. He was a very hands-on dad. So he'd put the girls in the stroller and go up and down Belmont Shore. Everyone saw him with the stroller, and that's just how he was known. He'd always take them to Starbucks, get them cake pops while he drank his coffee. And so the older one always mentioned these things. And I'm like, you remember that? She goes, yeah. He brought, he took me there. He gave me that juice when you weren't looking. Like, details. She had a connection with him. Would they ask about him? So I remember driving around the car, and I was like, the day's going to come where they're going to ask. Or at least the older one, hey, where's Baba? You know? I was like, what am I going to tell her? I thought about it for a little bit. I said, you know what? I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm not going to say anything but the truth. It's the best way I, I know how. And sure enough, we're driving. I knew it was coming. Something sparked her memory and she saw something. She goes, where's Papa? Mm. I was like, oh, here we go. Took a deep breath. And I said, your, your Papa went to heaven. She goes, heaven? Yeah, I said, he, you know, in my mind, I think that was the right thing to do. I, I said, you know what? He's no longer with us here, but he's in heaven and he's, he's watching us. And she can't understand that she's two, but it brought her some kind of comfort. Oh, okay. But, you know, the questions still kept coming. And I answered them. I knew they were going to get deeper as they got older, which it, it really does. But very early on, I took, took them to the grave. And that's what we did as a family together. Go visit his grave, take flowers, sing songs, birthdays. We'd take cupcakes. So it was a very happy feeling. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. This is how we remember our dad. I made a strong decision early on that those girls were not going to see me cry. I, I refuse, Mike. Like, I refuse to let them see me cry. Because I remember early when I was little, and let's say my mom, you know, if she heard, heard a song, she'd got emotional or something, my mom's crying. Well, I'm going to cry too. I don't know why we're crying, but I'm going to cry. So something that I, I didn't want them to feel that way. I didn't want them to see why is mom crying? I was as strong as I could around them. And then when they went to bed, that's when I just released. So you, you treated it more of a celebration for them. For them, yes. And yeah. until this day, if we talk about them, there's a smile on my face. That's just how I want yeah. them to remember. Were there times where it was hard for you to get out of bed and just operate? Definitely. I had some really dark, dark days where I didn't want to do anything. But was that an option? Now I have these two girls. They're looking at me. It's not fair to them that I don't feel good today. So if anything, those girls until this day, because I still have hard days, are my motivation. I am responsible for their happiness and I have to show them a happy childhood. No pressure. Um, There were days where if I didn't have kids, maybe I would have not been living here. Maybe I would have picked up and went somewhere else. Maybe I would have put someone else in charge of the shops and then you guys deal with this. I'm going to live a whole new life over here that has nothing to do with my old life. But that's not the case. I put the girls in, in Mesrobian, in our, the school we went to. So we're grounded there. And I kept the shops running, right? So all those guys depend on me now. So I have to now keep these shops open, running, successful. I have to keep these girls happy, healthy. Yeah, you got a lot of jobs, yeah. a lot of responsibilities. But do you think it'd be tougher if you didn't have kids? Yes, 
now that I think about it, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have that. My, right? ki- my kids grounding me. Yeah, because I feel the kids are making sure that you're busy and not right. thinking about the bad stuff, the negative things. Right. The shops did that for me too. Mm-hmm. I threw myself in the shops like, oh, Long Beach, you're out of paper towels. I'll be right there. Like, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I, I just made it my job. Like, this is what I'm doing today. And slowly but surely, <laughs> I, like, I just that. created things for me to do just to keep busy. The two girls at home. And then I had, I had a sense of like, felt like I was accomplishing mm-hmm. something. I was like, okay, the girls are taking care of at home. Okay. These guys have a job. They have a shop to come to. All right, I got this. You're completing tasks. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, so keeping busy yeah. is so important in times like that. Cause when I'd stay home, let's say I decided to give myself a day off. It was the worst days of my life when you're, you start thinking, you start crying, you start reliving moments. What was the barbershop like? Was there uncertainty there when he passed? I'm sure there was, but was there ever guys saying, hey, I'd I'd like to buy these from you or what are we doing next? Who's taking it over? Are you going to sell? The weirdest thing, Mike, was the next day, you would think we'd shut down and just have a grieving moment. But these guys went to work like they didn't know what to do. They just showed up. They just showed up to work and they're all cutting hair and they're all crying. Mm. And the customers are like, why are you guys here? like we don't we don't know what to do they decided yeah like why are we here this is this is crazy as soon as they understood that i'm not closing down these shops i think everyone was a little relieved and everyone came together as a shop and handled things unspoken like we didn't have to talk about it you know everybody's gonna pick up a task yeah and everyone did until you know slowly but surely i started learning how to run a business i'm still learning but i'm getting better it's been a tough job to yeah. learn how to run a business. Absolutely. A great, unbelievable experience. Extremely challenging. You walked into these barber shops. You never thought this would happen, right? And now mm-hmm. you just kind of walk into it with, okay, I got to figure this thing out. We got to do whatever it takes right. to figure this thing out. You talk about a support system. Your guys right. who, are, who are cutting hair, man, every day, that's a support system. That was a huge support system. Them, they were like family at this point. Mm -hmm. We all went through something really, really hard. And so that brought all of us close. And we were just kind of in there like survival mode. Like, okay, this is what we got to do. Hey, this bill came for you. You got this. And everything kind of just fell into place. Kind of naturally, huh? Kind of organically, if you will. Yeah. But I mean, you know me. I was a shy individual. So stepping into this role of leadership kind of, you know was very hard for me that's not something i was born to do that was a struggle sometimes i felt like giving up honestly because i didn't feel like i was strong enough to manage 10 men and finances sometimes you know owning a business is hard it's up and down you know so i was like what am i doing sometimes i i i stop and i'm like is this is this the right decision um because i i do have days where i doubt it but that's any business you're not gonna just be on top 24 7 you're gonna have some bad times mm-hmm. sometimes on those bad days where i'm just down i i'm like should i just go back to my lab job do you have mentors that you can lean on with days like that yeah i do i have really good friends my support system is huge and it ranges from family to the barbers who became family and friends and it extends to people that i didn't even know that carlos knew and they took it upon themselves to reach in and ask me if I ever need anything. You know, I'm here for you. I know you don't know me, but just know I'm rooting for you. That's amazing. And I, till this strangers. day, till this day, I get it. Wow. There's customers in the shop that I don't know, but they know me. And just like yesterday, someone's like, how are your girls doing? I was like, who are you? <laughs> you know, so they, you know. 
Well, talk about the impact he's left. I mean, that is a major impact. Talk about impact. When Kobe passed away in, oh a, in an accident similar to your husband, right. Carlos, what was that like? That's a mm. wound that's that just kind of reopens for you, I'd imagine, right? That was so heartbreaking. I don't think I've ever cried over a celebrity death before. But this one, gut-wrenching. I found out in the car as I'm driving to the shop. And it, it, it took a long time to sink in. First, I just couldn't even believe that it was just Kobe himself. And then as the stories were unraveling and that his daughter was involved, and I was just, this is, this is getting worse. This is getting worse. And then it clicked. This feels familiar. This feels really familiar. And I just thought about his wife, thought about his wife. And I just wanted to hug his wife. I just wanted to find her and hug her and just comfort her because I can't even imagine losing a daughter at the same time. How's the business going today? The barbershops? Business is good. Yeah. I'm proud to say that we're doing really good. I'm honestly proud of myself, you know? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you freaking better be proud of yourself. I doubt myself sometimes, but... That's, um, that's human nature. I'm really proud that it's it, this year will we'll mark five years that he's been gone and... Um, we're still doing it. When do you open up your third location? Oh my God. <laughs> I, oddly enough, I get asked that quite often and I say, nope. <laughs> do you think you'd ever, do you think you'd ever be ready for that? No. Yeah. I'm, my hands are full. I can't imagine. I would imagine you'd want to remarry. I do. I do. I do want that for myself. I want that for my girls. I had a really good childhood. I grew up in a really loving home and it kind of pains me. I mean, my girls are growing up in a loving home. Same parents that raised me, you know, now we're tag teaming and raising these girls. But I want that for them too. I want, I want that, that family unit that I had. I want that for them and for myself, you know, who wants to be alone forever? Nobody. Yeah. It's and hard nowadays too. Are you dating? I try, yeah. but I feel like I'm never going to fall in love again the way I loved Carlos. You know, sometimes I think that truly, but I try, I try and I'm single. <laughs> yeah. I'll get the word out. You don't worry. <laughs> no, 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 no one drop in my DMs, please. Um, but I do want that for myself. I feel like I was the best version of myself when I was his wife. I just thrive in that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I love um, making someone feel special. I love that my, my girls looked up to this man. You know, we'll see. We'll see what the universe has in store for me. Another question I, I don't want to ask. I want to hear how you'd answer this. How was the funeral? So planning the funeral was so hard. It was something I never even thought I'd have to be doing. From Let's go back to even packing up his clothes in, the, mm. in our home and putting it in boxes. Like I remember that feeling of it being one of the toughest things I've ever had to do. Literally just saw these clothes on your back. A week ago, and now you're never going to wear them again. Putting his shoes away, all his belongings, everything he ever owned was in our apartment. Starting from that really hard task that one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was pack pack up our apartment. That was just the saddest. Mm-hmm. But planning a funeral, oh my God, another one that I never thought I'd have to go through. But the funeral itself and the amount of people that showed up was overwhelming. Hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds of people, more than half that. Maybe I didn't even know, but we decided to make it public because 
he was a musician and a lot of people knew him and adored him and were fans. Um, we decided to make it public and get the word out. If anyone wants to come and pay their last respects, they're more than welcome to do so. That chapel maximum capacity. I remember turning around and just seeing hundreds of people and just quickly turning back around like, I can't even believe this is this is real right now. And that goes to show how loved he was. That's an image in my head that flashes. You know, you get certain flashbacks of your life. That's definitely one of them where I felt the love in that room for him and how how much people were going to miss him. You know, there was a quote that I mentioned on that on my Kobe solo show, and it's one that I'll I'll never forget. It's you can't put a question mark on God's period. Ooh. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. And so it's mm. you just can't question things that God does. It's things are just meant right. to be, but how hard is that for us to understand is right. the problem, especially when it's re- when it's real, when it's new, when it's happening. Why him? Why him? He's a so, unbelievable human being, right? Early on that phrase, um things happen for a reason would just upset me. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why God would take away Carlos from us. I I couldn't understand it. And maybe I even lost faith a little bit, you know, but as of recently, I've, I've been getting back into church and it's been helping me a lot. But now I understand I would have never been this strong female, as strong as I am today, without experiencing all that hurt. Yep. I mean, would I take it back? Of course. But I am who I am today, strong, because I had to go through all that hurt. What about any self-help? So in September, it'll be five years that he's been gone. And just now... I'm starting to realize that maybe I should see a therapist. I've been through a lot. There's a lot of things I haven't processed yet. There's a lot of things I'm avoiding. And so I just started taking steps to see, to seek therapy. And your first session was just recently, right? Recently, I had my first session. I walked in there nervous because I don't know what to expect. I've never been to therapy before. I've never talked to anyone about my problems, a stranger. And I go in there and I sat down and um, right off the bat, he asked me, a question that made my heart sink. And he asked me, how do you feel about Kobe's passing? And I needed a minute. Instant tears. He pointed to the box of Kleenex because he knew I was going to lose it right now. And yeah, I, I, I cried a bit, mm. you know, because that Kobe's passing definitely hit home. What made you go see a therapist now? What took you so long to see one? So this year in September will be five years of my husband's passing. And I'm just now starting to feel things I didn't feel before or fear things I didn't fear before. And one of them is a fear of dying. That's that's a tough one. Obviously, we lost him tragically, suddenly, and that can't happen to me type of thing. I, I need to be here for the girls. They only have one parent now and nothing can ever happen to me. Sometimes I, I get really bad anxiety thinking about that. And so I definitely knew that I needed to seek help for myself and for my kids. My story is one of strength, but there's a lot of bad times, a lot of days I I didn't think I could make it. But there's still to this day, after all this time has passed, things are resurfacing that I didn't deal with properly. So that's why I think a therapist can help me with these. Yeah. I always say when you're worried about something or insecure about something, you talk about it. Talk about it to those who you can trust. Yeah. I'm a talker. Uh, Until I talk to someone about it, I won't feel better. You have to get that off your chest. Yeah, because you're keeping it inside mm-hmm. and it's worse. It builds up yeah. and it just builds up this. You seek assurance. Anger yeah. and negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to bring, you got to take that out. Did you tell your parents that you were going to go see a therapist? You know, my dad's always been the type to want to help. And he, if I was to tell my dad I'm going to see a therapist, he might say something along the lines of, 
well, let me be your therapist. (laughs) (laughs) I could be your therapist. Why don't you talk to me? Well, no, dad. You got to love the Armenian Mm -hmm. dad, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so great. You said earlier about your DMs. People would just flutter your DMs. You know, it happens. Does it? I love DM stories. I love when dudes just walk in a DM in girls' DMs. Well, I'm glad you love it because <laughs> us on the other end, sometimes the things we see and get at the time of day and night we get them, it's, it's not very um, attractive. What's the most recent things that you gotten in your DMs? Well, for instance, I, I put that I was coming here, right? I got a bunch of heart emojis and heart eyes and all that, you know. No yeah, way. Yeah, From randoms or? Yeah. You don't know there these are dudes. no there are some that I've never met, but I've only talked to them through Instagram and all that. So. Can we read some of them? <laughs> I don't want to put anyone on blast. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to say their name. You can just read them. Hey, they'll never know. You don't have to say a name. You could just say what they said, right? I can. Yeah. <laughs> so this is at twelve thirty four AM. Hi, Annie. <laughs> I don't answer. So now it's the next day at one sixteen. How have you been? Uh I'm good. How are you? You responded with that? yeah okay okay like i now do you know this person or no i've never met him never met him has he has he dm'd you in the past yes okay you're just being nice i'm just being nice okay yeah i'm a nice person Mm -hmm. but honestly like this stuff it's not it's not attractive it's not flattering to get woken up at you know 2 a.m with hey what are you doing (laughs) are you up sleeping so okay so you said i'm good and then what did he come back how have you been i said i'm good how are you it's been forever because i was off instagram so these people, some of them are probably running, where did she go? Because I can't stalk her page anymore. This is real life. Have, will you ever give anybody a chance when they slide in your DMs? I mean, there's a way to do it. How is it? Just be a gentleman. He's being a gentleman? Uh, at 2 a.m.? That's not gentleman. That's true. If somebody sends you a message 2 in the afternoon. That's, says, more, that's more respectable. Hey, Annie, how are you? Do you respond back to that? Well, first I got to check them out and see who they are. Okay. Let's say he's attractive. <laughs> okay. If he's attractive, I'll, you know, respond. And then what? Well, and then what? Is it Nothing good's ever come out of a DM. Is, like, it, is it because you are kind of shy about the fact that people are going to ask you, hey, how'd you guys meet? Oh, via DM. No, it's not that because that's just age we live in right now. It's all about social media. That's how people meet. There's... So that's Dating not holding ass. you back. No, that's not holding me back at all. What's the best approach? Just don't be a sleazeball. Don't, don't be a douche. Don't, don't. You're going to get a bunch of DMs at two in the afternoon starting tomorrow. I guarantee it. Well, that's Because now they know the approach. No. <laughs> They're all going to hit you up at 2 p.m. Yeah, guys, if you, if you uh, DM me at 2 a.m., chances are I'm sleeping. Don't bother me. It's not going to happen. And you probably blew your chance. So don't even go there. So instead of 2 a.m., 2 p.m., hit her up. You might get a response. There you go. Boom. <laughs> so that's the right approach. And then just kind of small talk, small talk, and then ask you out. I mean, it took you a lot. It took Carlos a lot I for did. him yeah. to take you out. I can't imagine how hard these yeah, poor dudes coming to your DMs. I don't gonna, just say, yes, okay, I'll meet you for dinner. Yeah. No, it's just you have to you have to have something going on for yourself. You have to intrigue me. You have to get my attention. And the only way to get my attention is if you're a gentleman, honestly. If you come off as a genuinely sweet person, you'll get my attention. Well, there you go, guys. That's how you properly DM Annie and the rest of the females that you're trying right. to Right. This is not just me. I, I want to speak on behalf of all females. I can't imagine. Don't the, slide in the DMs. I can't imagine the flooding happening in those DMs, man, from dudes to guy, to girls. <laughs> it's awesome. It's fascinating. 
It, it fascinates well, me. Well, we're on the other end laughing too, just so you guys know. I we're screenshotting, so. we're sending to our friends, we're laughing at you, so just don't do it. You should put them on blast sometimes. Maybe you should put the DMs on the board at the barbershop, mm. like the best DM of the week. <laughs> How great would that be? Just take his name out, but... Blur it out, yeah. yeah. just show like what, what he hits you up with. That might be. Do it. They'll stop They'll stop with this shit. They'll, I think they'll stop now, I think, yeah, after they hear this. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, let's get into routines. I enjoy routines. What's your routine every day? My routine is I wake up, get the kids ready for school, get them to school, come back home, get ready for work. And I kind of have a schedule where I go to each shop twice a week. So on Mondays, I clean both shops. We're closed. I'm the cleaning lady. Nice. I go in, clean, stock up, make sure they have everything they need for the week. That's Mondays. Tuesday through Friday... I'm at either shop switching back and forth. And on Saturdays and Sundays, those are my girls' days. Don't bother me. Don't call me. I'm off the clock. Yeah. Figure it out. I know that feeling. <laughs> I don't have kids, but that Saturday and Sunday, I know the feeling. Yeah. Monday through Friday is a grind. Mm-hmm. And then the and weekends come. To, Mondays yeah. are my favorite day of the week. Yeah. I'm ready for that new week, that new day. I'm ready to just set everything up for these guys and just... Yeah, you're refreshed, ready yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah. How about your pet peeves? Ooh, pet peeves are inconsiderate people mm. in every way you could be you could be on your cell phone next to me i'm gonna give you a look you could be chewing too loud with your mouth open i'm gonna give you a look just how about those when you let them in a lane and they don't say thank you no when you hold the door open for someone and they just walk right through worst i'm gonna give you that look worst, <laughs> worst. when i initially texted you i didn't think you would agree. And I'll tell you why. Because we go back to that shy girl that you were back in the day. You know that girl. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to reach out to her. And one of the reasons was because about a year ago, I thought about bringing you, well, six months ago, I thought about bringing you on Mm. for this same exact reason. Mm -hmm. And then the unfortunate Kobe situation happened. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? This is probably the best time now because maybe somebody else is listening and they're trying to cope with the same exact thing and you experience it. And so you said, I would love love to i would love to tell his story i would love to get on your show and i was i was blown away i was like oh my god this is going to be amazing i do actually want to one day this is great i I love talking about it because like you said if it if it reaches out to somebody and they find my story inspirational awesome my my job is done but one day i definitely want to take it a lot more steps further and um, create some kind of group or something for young widows because you know usually when you think of widow you think of an older lady but when I finally get my stuff together I do want I do feel like I can help young widows overcome their fears and kind of motivate them to keep going a little support system that's a heck of an idea because this happened to me I feel like I need to give give back because I I got a ton of help from people. But now once I'm ready, because I'm not all there yet, like I I have hard days and maybe I'll always have hard days. But when I feel the time is right or I feel like I'm right or strong enough to help other people, that's my next step. I reached out to you when it happened, the accident. I don't remember how long after the accident, but I know I reached out to you. It was a Facebook message and I was almost in tears writing it because Mm -hmm. of the experience that you're going through. One Two, how proud I am Mm. of you. Mm. Annie, you could have easily woke up one morning after it happened and said, okay, these are up for sale. Somebody take them over because I want nothing to do with this. One, Mm -hmm. you could have easily given up and not been a great mother. Right. You could have easily just given up on life. Mm -hmm. You could have just said, yeah, hands are up. Okay, who's going to take care of me now? Right. 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 You didn't do any of that stuff. You stepped up. And you went 
to bat and you are doing some amazing things. I'm serious. I'm not, mm-hmm. I told you this in a message. Yeah. I mean that today. I mean that today. I've told maybe 10 people about your story mm-hmm. and how proud I am of you that you're just doing your thing. It's, it's powerful. Your story is powerful. You should my, be really proud of yourself. I got my girls to think. Honestly, if it wasn't for them, I don't know how strong I'd be. We don't know, yeah. right? We don't yeah. know how strong we are until we're actually put in that situation. Um, when it first happened, uh, I did not think I could even get through this. No way. But you lean on those people who love you and support you, parents, friends, family, you know, and you and you get through get through your tough times. I figured this was a good time for Annie to come on with the sudden passing of Kobe. Uh, I think it's something that she's obviously relating to with Vanessa, Kobe's wife. Oh, what a story. How tough is she? Going through some serious adversity in life. She's had her ups and downs, but at the end of the day, it's about those kids for her. No matter what, it's about those kids. And she doesn't have a selfish bone in her body. So anything she does is for those kids. This is the part of life where there's no playbook. This is the adversity part of life where we can't control. We can control a lot of things in life. We can control our own destiny sometimes. Hard work, we can control that. Happiness, we can control. Being around good people, we can control. We can control a lot of things. But the stuff that we can't control turns into adversity. How do we then control ourselves? And then two children on top of that and two businesses on top of that. (laughs) She's a freaking rock star, man. She's knocked it all out almost overnight. So look, she has her hard days. Of course she does. She's human. Sometimes being human could be tough, but she's taking it on like a raging freaking bull, man. Nothing stopping her. So you should go visit her barber shops. Their barber shops are beautifully done. They got this big, beautiful American flag in there. And look, look good, feel good. I get my haircuts every couple weeks. You know you guys want to stay fresh at all times. That's the place you go to. There's one in the city of Whittier, California. The other one is in the city of Long Beach, California. You can find their social media at American Vintage Barbershop. That's the one in Whittier. The other one is AVBLBC, and that's the one in Long Beach. Can't thank her enough for coming on, opening up, being real, raw, uncensored, and authentic. At the end of the show, she looked at me and said, Was that enough? Was I open enough? Should I tell more? Yeah, you you said enough plus some. I can't thank her enough. She's really good, man. She's a really good person. That's it for me. You guys know hopefully where to follow me on my social media. Miked Up Pod on Instagram. Again, if you can, leave a comment, review, rate the podcast on iTunes. It really does make my day. So if you can go out and make my day, that'd be cool. Until next time, folks, I am Mike Gabriel. This is Miked Up Pod. Remember, no wasted days. Let's go. Let's go.